The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. LinkedIn News. Your resume is often the first impression you make on potential employers. We put a lot of pressure on it to tell our story in a way that's concise, but still comprehensive. How can one document encapsulate all that you are? Well, it probably can't, but that's okay. Today, we're talking all about creating an effective resume and how what's in it can be just as important as what you leave out. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs and the ever-changing landscape of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn's Senior Managing Editor for Jobs and Career Development, bringing you conversations with experts who, like me, want to see you succeed at work, at home, and everywhere in between. Anna Lokotakova is the founder of CV Labs. She helps her clients craft their stories in a way that is authentic to their career. Before this, she spent years as a recruiter, reading countless resumes to find the right candidate. Now, she's here to share what works for job seekers at all levels. First, I asked Anna to share the biggest mistakes she sees in people's resumes. Here's what she had to say. Your experience doesn't always speak for itself. And we live in a very competitive world and the job market is constantly changing. So you have to understand how to present yourself and your experience and everything you have to offer. And it's your responsibility to be able to do that. Totally. And I'd love to hear your biggest pet peeve. Is there something that when you look at a resume and you see it, it just makes your blood boil? Ooh, (laughs) there are so many, almost too many. I think the biggest one would be when people include everything on there, thinking that more information is always better. So more is not always better. And you're diffusing the focus of your resume if you're presenting a lot of information that is completely irrelevant to this particular opportunity. I think if, for a resume, content is always king. And whatever you do, it has to enhance your credibility and not damage your credibility as a job candidate who would earn the trust of the company or the hiring manager. Yeah. And getting to the meat of the resume, can you tell us what should go in the summary? So you do want to create like a one sentence opener about who is this resume about? Um, Just a general intro so that the person who reads this can quickly see the context and think, oh, okay, so I'm reading about an experienced software engineer who worked in the game development industry. Great. So that gives me right away that initial context and the way I look at the rest of the content is affected by that in a good way. And anything else that is on the summary should be about how you can add value to the role and it should be tailored to the particular job that you're applying for. So if the job talks about certain objectives, certain expectations, so you can highlight either bits from your background or summarize some key takeaways from your experience that actually help you add value in those particular areas. Yeah. Anything else needs to either be in different sections or maybe not be on your resume at all. I really like that piece of advice where you said also be selective about what's supposed to be in there and what's not. And that kind of brings us back to that point about relevance. 
So not all of your experience might be 100% relevant for this particular role. So make your summary talk about which parts are relevant. What should the hiring manager or the recruiter be looking at the most to be convinced that you are indeed someone to add value to this opportunity. Yeah. And I guess the next part of it is really your experience. And a lot of people, they struggle with the experience portion, because even though it seems straightforward where you have to put all your roles, you put the dates that you were there, are there things that you should include, not include? What are best practices for the experience section? So definitely the basic thing would be to keep that section as organized and readable as you can. So this is the section that is going to get a lot of attention, especially your most recent experience. You want to make sure that section is easy to read. So if you have 20 bullets, each one over three lines, and all of that is jam-packed together without any space in between, this is going to be a challenge. I mean, that's the number one thing that I always advise people to think about. Is this section readable? Is it easy to screen in a matter of a couple seconds? Because that's how long it's going to take a person to make that decision. And the other thing is the impact of each bullet that you have in terms of highlighting not just job functions or job tasks, but actual outcomes and results. That's crucial because if you don't share outcomes or the added value or the result, then your resume is going to look like 99% of other people. Yeah, you can say that you are a salesperson and that you make sales, but how well do you make sales? And you could say, listen, on a $5 million goal that was set in Q3, I exceeded that by 25%. Those little differences are the ones that are really going to get you across the finish line, right? 100%. And another one that is super popular is when people talk about process improvements. And there's like usually this general line, like implemented multiple process improvements to boost efficiency. And you're like, what does that even mean? (laughs) Yeah. So you have to be more specific than that. It seems like a little thing, but that's what makes it more credible and more believable and more interesting for the hiring managers. We'll be right back after this break. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. We're back with Anna Lokotakova talking about resumes. The other thing I wanted to ask you about the experience section is ageism. How many years of my experience do I put on my resume? How do I not fall victim to ageism and things like that? I would say that you have to think about summarizing your experience on your resume 
as creating a snapshot. So again, we're not listing everything that you've done. We're only screenshotting <laughs> the relevant part. And relevant also means from the timeline perspective, right? So if something happened over 20 years ago, as valuable and great as it may be in terms of what you know what you took away from it or what you learned from it it still did happen over 20 years ago so a lot of the things that were relevant then are not relevant today i always recommend thinking about your experience in terms of the last 10 to 15 years max but that depends on the level you're at in your career and also when it comes to any educational background that you have so if you have a bachelor's degree or some other certificates and things that happened more than 10 years ago I would say leave off the dates of when that actually happened. So if you had some professional development things or if you took some courses to keep up with the modern trends and stuff in your industry, then there you can show that those are super recent and that would actually play to your advantage. Yeah, those are really good pieces of advice. You know, if you have education that's many years ago, one way to combat ageism is to leave the dates off so people don't do the math in their head. And I've heard some people say we should do that for our jobs, too. Never do that because the recruiters are trying to see your progression throughout your career. And if you don't have dates on the resume, a lot of recruiters will think, okay, are they trying to hide something? Absolutely. That's the exact same information I have from recruiters and employers. Um, yeah, leaving dates off your work experience is definitely harmful because that raises way too many questions. Also, the gaps between different roles that you have are also important and recruiters do look at those as well. But at the end of the day, you shouldn't have anything to hide in terms of your career history. Of course, there are different career paths or circumstances that happen in life that might change your timeline or affect your timeline in some way. But still, if you know who you are and the value you bring, you can always explain those things. Yeah. And also, we should say that when we talk about only going back 10 to 15 years for your resume, you're not hiding your past experience. Technology has evolved so much that a lot of recruiters and hiring managers, they don't necessarily value the same things going back that far as they would more recent experience. Absolutely, because how we do things today becomes a lot more relevant because it also shows how you can keep up with the future because more changes are coming in every single industry or in every single profession. And you got to show that you're able to learn. And it doesn't mean that your earlier experience becomes completely irrelevant. You can still talk about some elements that you could transfer from that experience or things that you learned, like your people skills or other things that are sort of timeless. The next part that I want to talk to you about the resume, because we went through the summary, the education, the experience, the skills part, because a lot of people, they're still just putting like a little section on their resume that says skills and adding every word that they think might relate to business. In fact, I've seen resumes where people, as one of their skills, they put business. And I always say, what is that? You're good at business? What kind of business? <laughs> what is your suggestion for highlighting skills on your resume? Yeah, that's a great example because I think that's another pet peeve is like those buzzwords that everybody uses that don't make any sense even to be in the skills section. I would say that what you do want to have in this section on your resume are the skills that are highly relevant and highly specific. So generic skills like leadership, 
don't mean anything on your resume. If I tell you coaching, that does not tell you much about what I actually do. If I tell you career coaching, that is better because at least there is a focus area. But for example, if I tell you interview coaching, then that is even more targeted than that is coaching related to specifically interview prep. That's one example of how you can narrow down even a skill that you think is very broad and general, narrow it down to make it more specific to that particular job. If the job posting calls a certain skill one way, for example, it says software development. And in your resume, you had pretty much the same skill named in a different way, just because that's how you were used to naming that. So you have to adjust the wording to make sure that it actually matches the wording used in the job description as closely as possible. Doing some research in advance and analyzing a bunch of job descriptions within your field definitely is super helpful. You can then back them up with some accomplishments or results that you're highlighting in the experience section, because that's another thing. If your skills section on your resume does not match the things you talk about in your experience, like that becomes suspicious. You have to have a, a balance between, yes, I can see that you have these skills, but these are the actual results in your experience that speak to those particular competencies. That's also very important. The next question I have for you is really, is there any other pieces of advice for people who are writing a resume, struggling to write their resume that maybe we didn't talk about that we should have? Absolutely. I would say that a lot of people struggle with understanding what they're great at. That's not a very easy question for a lot of people. So you can go to your teammates, your previous coworkers, people that interacted with you in some capacity at your workplace and ask them about their experience working with you. What are the things that they've noticed that you're good at? Or what are the things that they enjoyed about working with you? And oftentimes that gives you some additional pointers that you may not have even realized that you did or had. We have huge blind spots when it comes to ourselves or, you know, understanding how to package our background and experience. So that's definitely a really helpful and like a fairly simple thing that you can do to get some ideas for what else can you highlight in your experience, maybe on your resume or your LinkedIn profile or your cover letter. Also, I would say that generally, if you're writing a resume, there's a lot of conflicting information online. So if you Google trends or tips or things that people talk about in the context of writing a good resume, you can be easily overwhelmed with the amount of information that you get. So think about what can enhance your resume in terms of making that information that you have on there more impactful and more effective versus overpowering that with little things that don't really matter. And the other thing that I can add on here is that your resume is only an instrument. So it's a tool in your toolbox, but it's not what gets you the job. And it's often not the only tool that gets you in front of employers and recruiters. So you have to think, can you add other things into your overall job searching strategy to reach more people, to increase your visibility? That's where LinkedIn comes in and becomes an amazing instrument to reach people who may not have found your resume otherwise. So diversifying your approach, you have to think of your resume as a tool but not the only thing that gets you the job. Yeah, you know, the most important thing is persistence and endurance. Thank you so much, Anna, for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. This was wonderful, as always. <laughs> 
That was career coach Anna Lokotakova. Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue the conversation. In fact, ask Anna your own questions on Monday, May 1st at noon Eastern time on Get Hired Live. You can find the RSVP link in today's show notes. Also, if you like this episode, leave us a rating on Apple Podcast. It helps people like you find the show. And of course, we'll continue this conversation next week, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. This episode was produced by Alexis Ramdow. Lolia Briggs is our associate producer. Asaf Gidron engineered our show. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Dave Pond is head of news production. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Courtney Coop is the head of original programming for LinkedIn. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck.